famous duos in history. Okay, now you know where we're going. Batman and Simon and Laverne and Jonah and the whale. Jonah and the whale. We always associate Jonah. Whenever you come to church and you hear Jonah, you always associate Jonah with that whale, or as the Bible tells us, that great fish. You remember this amazing, almost absurd story of this great, of Jonah being thrown into the water and this great fish coming and consuming him, and three days later, as we heard, dispatching him. We'll say it tactfully here in church, right? This is a place of decorum after all. So today we're going to talk about Jonah, and this is the first in a two-part sermon series. So do me a favor, in your worship folder, there's a blue insert. This is for our sermon for today. This is a little bit of an outline, and as we talk, we're going to tell, as as we go, first I need to tell you some things about Jonah, some things you need to know about Jonah. First of all, of course, Jonah is not just a person, was not just a person. Jonah is a book in the Bible set about 700 years or so before Jesus walked on this earth. So Jonah walked on this earth about 700 years before Jesus. And Jonah was a prophet. Everyone knows what a prophet is, right? A prophet is essentially one who is called by God to proclaim God's word, usually to God's people like the the populace in the countryside or the king of God's people, the king of Israel at that time. But Jonah was unique in that sense. Jonah was called to proclaim God's word to Gentiles, to foreigners, to enemies. Because Jonah lived in complex times. The great power in the world during the life of Jonah were these people who were the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were beginning to dominate much of the known world at that time. They would eventually dominate the Holy Land where God's people dwelled. And so Jonah and the Israelites, they regarded these Assyrians as a great threat. And the capital of the Assyrian Empire was a great city called Nineveh. That's right. Which plays a prominent role in our story for today. But as we talk about Jonah, I think maybe the most important thing you need to know is that we don't just talk about Jonah. Jesus talked about Jonah during his time on this earth. And this is what he said. It's, in, it's on your outline, the third bullet point. A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given in except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the, the whale, the heart of the great fish, so too the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the, I hope you know this, in, in the tomb, the heart of the earth. That's right. But now something greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus, in saying this, he captures the full significance of this story. Jonah serves as a prelude, a foretaste of the miracle of miracles, the miracle of resurrection. Jonah went into that water as a dead man. He went in that water, he was doomed to die. But three days later, he arose from that water. In the same way, there would be something greater, Jesus who would be crucified on a cross, who would die, but three days later would rise again to live forever. Jonah foreshadows resurrection. Just as Jonah died and rose again, Jesus died and rose again. And just as both of them died and rose again, guess what? You and I will die. 
and we will rise again. We died and rose again when we were baptized to live forever, and we will die at the end of our time on this earth. We will die, but we will rise again to live forever, all because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jonah is a story of resurrection, but Jonah is also a story of grace. One of the greatest stories about grace that have ever been put to paper, or in this case, maybe, I don't know, parchment. You know what grace is? I say grace. Can someone help me understand what grace means? This is your chance to talk during church. It's exciting, I know. It's like a revival meeting going here. I know. Pat Curry, I see your hand. Talk to me. Unmerited favor. Outstanding. Unmerited favor. Something I don't deserve, something I didn't earn, but something I am given. In churchy circles, we talk about grace. We talk about the unmerited favor of God. For some strange reason, for some great mystery, God loves us. God chooses to shower his goodness, his divinity upon us. He forgives us. He loves us. He gives us resurrection. So grace is a big deal, it's fair to say, in the life of God's people. So everyone has a working definition of grace. Any questions? The unmerited goodness and favor of God. Okay. In the story that you heard a few moments ago, at the beginning, chapter 1, verse 1, what does God want Jonah to do? Two things, right? Thing number one, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and I want you to do what? Proclaim the word of God, right? But not just the simple word of God. Not just God is grace and God loves you. What does he want Jonah to say to them? He wants Jonah to say, God's judgment is upon you. God knows what you are. God sees what you're doing. God is angry and you are on the cusp of God's judgment and wrath. Right? So this is what God commands Jonah to do. What does Jonah do wrong? The short answer is yes. He does essentially everything wrong. And make no mistake, Jonah commits the most egregious sin a human being can commit. Jesus talked about this sin in our gospel lesson for today. Jesus talked there's one unforgivable sin. What is the unforgivable sin? By the way, news this week, it's not suicide. Right? God's grace is bigger than that. He talks about one unforgivable sin. The unforgivable sin is the sin against the Holy Spirit. There's a fancy church word for that, and that fancy church word is apostasy. Right? I see you, God. I know you're there, God. I deny you. I reject your godness. That's what Jonah does through his words and his actions. I'm going to use the fancy thing I call the finger map. Okay, here's what it looks like. So, here's Jonah. (laughs) And God wants Jonah to go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh and proclaim my word against them. Nineveh about, by the way, 500 miles north and east of where Jonah was standing when he received that call. And so it's far away. They are foreigners. They are Gentiles. The way that Jonah was raised, the culture he was brought up in, they are unclean. They are outside of God's favor. No one in the Old Testament had received a call quite like Jonah. As I said, most of the time these calls came to these prophets, and the call was, go to the king of Israel. Go to the people of Israel and proclaim this to them. 
Jonah gets to go 500 miles away to hostile people, people who are clearly bent on conquering their much smaller neighbor, the people of God. And modern-day analogies. Modern-day analogies are always a little bit imperfect, but just so we get some sense of this, you know, imagine I want you to go and serve in North Korea. Proclaim God's word in North Korea. Proclaim God's word in Iran, in Beirut. It's 1960. Proclaim God's word in the Soviet Union. It's 1938. Proclaim God's word in Nazi Germany. And oh, by the way, it's not just God's word. I want you to go there and tell them how terrible they are. Who's signing up for that one? Huh? Yeah. Where are those call documents? I would sign that right away. No. Jonah is in his right mind. It's clear he should, he should be pushing back against this. Hey, God, can we talk about this? Hey, God, is there a negotiation here? Maybe, maybe you can send me somewhere else. Maybe I could go to, I don't know, um, San Diego or Florida or Hawaii. But as the Bible records, there's no pushback. There's no negotiation. There's no discussion. Jonah here, Nineveh here, north and east. Instead, Jonah goes west to a place called Joppa, the port city. And in Joppa, he buys a ticket for a boat. And the boat is headed for a place called Tarshish. We don't know where that is, but we speculate that's probably in modern-day Spain slash Portugal. So we're going to sail. We're going to, this is just, I, want to, I want to make sure I'm to scale. We're going to sail to here's our goal. And remember, this is 2,700 years ago. They believe the earth essentially fell off. So in Jonah's mind, he's headed towards the edge of the world, the point you get to before you fall off, as far west as you can go away, as far in the other direction as you can be from the call of God. So that's essentially what he does wrong. He chooses life without God. He chooses to go in the other direction. He chooses to go it on his own. I, I, I dislike this idea of going Nineveh so much, I'd, ba- I'd rather be apart from God. I'd rather be without God. It's a big deal. He fails. Okay? And so Jonah gets on that boat, and what happens? First thing happens, he falls asleep. My kind of traveler, Right? I get on a plane, I want to wake up and be there. And same thing for Jonah. Essentially, it seems he's going to fall asleep, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to be in Tarshish. And all this is going to be behind me. And while he's sleeping, what happens? Now, the storm The storm comes, and it blows, and I imagine it's amazing. It's, it's just the storm of the century. I imagine the waves are the size of houses, and they're going up and they're going down. The wind is blowing harder than any of these sailors have ever seen or imagined and the rain is coming down, and it's scary, and it's terrifying. They don't know what they're going to do. They know what's going to happen, though. They're, they know they're going to die. And so they start thinking and doing desperate things. I'm not really a sailor, but the first thing I think that sailors generally do in desperation, let's throw everything overboard to make the ship lighter, because apparently lighter ships move better on crazy oceans, right? So that's what they do. And then that doesn't really work, so they get really, really desperate. Let's be religious, Hey, other sailors, whatever religion you are, call out to your God and plead with your God that this calamity will not end in our death. And as all this is happening, kind of God brings them to a realization. Well, you know, we realize there's something different about this journey. There's someone with us who wouldn't normally be with us. Let's, let's, let's go ask him. And so the captain goes and he 
below deck, I guess, and there's Jonah. And what's Jonah doing? Sleeping! I gotta, I gotta find some of what he took for my next flight, because wow. And Jonah's sleeping, so the captain wakes Jonah up. And Jonah wakes up, oh, what? Oh, what's going on? And the captain's, are, are you kidding me? Hell has come upon us. We are living in hell on earth. This is the worst storm ever. We've never seen anything like this. We're trying everything. And we, you know, I'm here to ask you, do you know anything about this? And, and Jonah replies, yeah, maybe. You know, my God and I right now, we're kind of having a staring contest. And you all are kind of in the middle of it. So here's the storm. It's probably my fault. Sorry. My, my bad. But, but maybe, just maybe, I, 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 think, I think we can fix this. I think we can save you, at least. Here's what you need to do, I think. Throw me over the side. If you throw me over the side, you know you won't be in the middle of this anymore. And let's pause the story for a moment and commend these sailors and commend the men on the boat that day because they hear this simple idea and what do they say? No! They say, no! Man, Hummel, you bought a ticket! Your ticket comes with a guarantee. We will get you to Tarshish. We got some experienced rowers here. We got some bailers. We got some over-the-side dumper types. We're going we're to pull this off. You watch these guys row. You see what happens. We're going to do this. Yeah! And they put their hands in team, and they go, and, and it only gets worse. And it quickly becomes obvious what they need to do. And so what did they do? Over you go, Jonah. And they throw Jonah into the water. And the moment he hits that water... The sea goes calm, the storm stops, the winds cease. And the Bible tells us the people on that boat glorified God that day because of what they saw. Thanks be to God. But what happened to Jonah? Well, well as far as those sailors knew, he, he was dead. There was no YMCA 2,700 years ago, folks. Jonah never had any swimming lessons. You fall into the water, you die. As far as those sailors knew, Jonah was dead. But was Jonah dead? No. What, what happened to Jonah? The, the, the fish came, right? But the fish was no accident. The fish was no coincidence who just happened along that day. The fish was sent. The fish was sent by God. Number four. The great fish is sent to what, Jonah? Save. You know, if you're a blank filler inner, that's your answer. It's, it's not too hard. Save. Okay? And the great fish is entirely God's grace. There's your word. The great fish is entirely God's grace. The unmerited goodness of God in that fish. Who would want to be in a fish? None of us, right? I'd take the fish over death any day of the week. And God used that fish. God gave that fish to rescue Jonah from certain death. What a story, right? It reminds me of another story I'm going to tell you today. You ever find yourself in a conversation where someone asks you a question, and you answer that question before you really think about it, or before you really stop to appreciate the ramifications of your answer? Do you ever answer without thinking? Raise your hand. I do this every day. I remember one time I did it, and I really felt bad about it afterwards. Someone came to me and they said, Jeff, I was probably 30 years old, by the way. Jeff, what are your goals for ministry? 
And again, I didn't really think about it. I just answered. My goal is to retire. I, I did, yeah, yeah. It's a real story. I know. I, I really said that. And I, I think what I meant was I'm, I want to work real hard and just kind of lay it all out there for many, many years. And finally, you know, at the end, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now you can retire. But I just said, my goal is to retire. I was 30 years old. But now I'm 43. And I'm going to say to you, guess what? My goal is to retire. Because I think I know, I have some idea what retirement is like. Or I know what my retirement would be like. You know what I'm going to do when I retire? I'm going to basically exist on the beach. I'm going to sit there every single day in the sand, my feet in the sand, low chair, and watch the ocean. And every day I know the sun is going to be out. And every day I know it's going to be 78.7 degrees. Because that's what retirement is like. I had some people at the 830 service who are retired. They told me this is true. (laughs) And I'm going to sit there every day and and people are going to bring me food and snacks and drinks. I've told this to other people. And some people, they say to me, Pastor Browning, I think you would go nuts. You need things to do. You need to move and go. And no, I don't. I will have things to do when I'm retired. I will eat Italian ice nonstop. Um, One of my best friends, his name is Matt. He is a pastor in the Chicago area. And he's been here before. He's preached here a couple times. He baptized Anastasia many years ago. Um, He shares this dream with me. He'll be living in the cabana next to mine. He and his wife will live in Cabana A. I'll live in Cabana B. Cabana C is open, so just let me know. Um, I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, Somebody asked me, are your kids going to be there? I'm like, no, of course not. They have to work to support this lifestyle. I'm $500 closer, though, right, Mrs. Lottis? Yeah. Woo. Self-indulgent manner. There you go. All right. But my friend Matt and I, we actually have talked about this, and we, are, we have a plan. We are going to do something when we retire. We're going to write a book together. Okay? And the book already has a title. The title of the book is Underrated Verses in the Bible. You like it? All right, good. And I say the title, and you probably already understand the concept, right? It's a series of chapters based on underrated verses in the Bible. Let's talk about this a little more. Uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 14, verse 6. Is that an underrated verse in the Bible? No, everyone loves that verse. That verse is appropriately highly rated, right? You want to hear an underrated verse in the Bible? From our reading for today. The final chapter of my retirement book will be based on this verse. These verses. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Think about it, friends. Jonah was on that beach, a failure in every sense of that concept. He failed in answering his call to God. He failed in running away from God. He failed in his apostasy. He was broken. And on that beach, I would imagine his joints were sore. He smelled. 
He had vomit and guts caked in his hair. And he felt like a bum. And he felt like a loser. And he felt useless and worthless. He felt like he didn't need anything. But in that place, in that moment, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And God said to Jonah, I'm not done with you. I am not done with you. Yes, you failed. Yes, you denied me. Yes, you were apostate. But I still love you. You're still my guy. Now get up. Try again. Go to Nineveh and make me known. You want to know what grace is? That's grace. That's God's reset button. Let's start over, Jonah. Let's move on. Let's try again. Go to Nineveh. Proclaim my word against it. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, the good news I have for you today, that grace is not foreign to us. That grace is ours. Because just like Jonah, we've been there. We've been on that beach. We've failed. We've denied. We've not lived up to who God wants us to be, who our family wants us to be, who our friends need us to be. We've not lived up to who this world needs us to be. But the word of the Lord comes to us again today. And God says to us, I'm not done with you. I love you. You are my people. And I have something far greater than a fish and some water for you. I have a cross and an empty tomb. I have my one and only resurrected Son, Jesus Christ, who died to take your sin away, who rose again to make your forgiveness, to make your life forever. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will always love you. Now get up. Try again. Get out there. Be my people. Make Christ known. Through the power of his grace. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake. Amen.